Hello, and welcome to Preacher, a podcast designed around the reality that many of our churches are still shrinking because we're not creating places where everyone can belong. So if you're seeing that reality in your own church, or you've experienced that and left the church, this podcast is for you. So welcome. I am your host, Jen Hale Christie. Quick shout out to our awesome Patreon community, Sarah, Sheila, Steve, and Tom. I'm so grateful for your continued support. If you are listening and you haven't yet joined our Patreon community, now's a great time. You can join with a support level as low as just three bucks a month, and your support keeps this good work going, keeps all the episodes available online. So thank you. Links are in the show notes. We have a guest preacher on the podcast today. So without further ado, let's hear a word. This sermon is from a series entitled Kingdom Stories, where we focused on stories and how the stories or parables that Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven shape the way we think and act as kingdom citizens as we live out our own stories of God. I want to take a minute first to just talk about parables. You know, in case you're unfamiliar, a parable is a fictional story designed to teach a lesson. They can be full of symbolism, like the parable Jesus told about scattering seeds, but really the seeds are the gospel. Or they can just use a hypothetical scenario to help people understand a point better, like the Good Samaritan. The point of parables was to give people something to latch onto that they already were familiar with in order to help them understand a concept that may be new. And it's also important to know that Jesus wasn't the first to do this. This was a very common teaching style of the rabbis of that day who probably instructed Jesus how to do it when he was younger. And not only did the Jewish rabbis use it, but also the pagan philosophers of that day. Even Aesop and his fables predate Jesus by about 600 years. And this is because stories are powerful. There is something embedded in our DNA that seeks to attach to elements of the human experience lived out in others. Just here's a quick example. Okay, so World War II ended on September 2nd, 1945. That's quick. It's true. It's factual. But that's not what I know about the day World War II ended. In fact, I had to look up that date because I don't know the exact date. But what I know about the way World War II ended is from the stories my grandma has told me about how everyone in her tiny Virginia town ran out of their houses when they heard the news on the radio. And they started marching up and down the street, banging pots and pans together and cheering that the war was over. My grandma tells me that was a big day. That was a good day. You know, I can almost hear it. And it makes this event that happened 40 years before I was even born seem so real and so close to me. Stories are powerful. And so as we look through our parable today, I want us to do something that will help us connect it with our own story a little bit. So I used to do a project with my middle and high school students when we studied parables. You see, 
Jesus used parables that talked about vineyards and farming and servants and masters and first century life because that's what was familiar to the people he taught. If Jesus was here today, he would use totally different parables that we would be able to relate to in our daily life. So when I taught high school Bible, my project always had my students choose a parable from the Bible. They would research it, figure out how to tell and retell the same story for a 21st century audience. And then create that parable and tell that story. So here's what I'm going to have you do as you listen. I want you to think about the last time you had to do a group project. Now, it could have been 20 years ago. It could have been two days ago. Okay, got that in your head? All right. Do you have a strong feeling about group projects? I know I do. Let me tell you how I feel about them. I am not a fan. And I especially don't like it when I don't get to pick who's on my team for the group project. You know, it annoys me so much that there's always that one person who seems to slack until the very last minute, throws their part together the night before, and they still get the same grade as the other people who had been planning for weeks. It's just not fair, right? Or maybe you see it differently. You don't like group projects because no one ever looks at you to be on their team. You have to wait until everyone else has been assigned and then you just get put somewhere. Yeah, I've been there too. Whatever your feelings... I want you to take them and I want you to hold on to them as we read this parable. Now, if you have your device with you or if you have a Bible you want to open or if you just want to listen, we're going to be in Matthew 20 verses 1 through 16. And here's what the Bible says. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go in the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, They thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat? But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. 
Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Okay. Anybody getting group project vibes? Anyone thinking, well, that's not fair. Why should the ones who slacked all day get the same wage as the ones who work from sun up to sundown? You know, fun fact, this parable is where we get the idiom waiting till the 11th hour. You know, you are in good company if you do not understand why those who wait till the 11th hour get the same reward as everyone else. Because this is a really tough parable. And this parable has been interpreted and misinterpreted for 2,000 years. Now, when Jesus taught this parable, it happened right after Jesus encountered the rich young ruler who went away sad rather than give up his riches for discipleship. Jesus originally told this parable to his disciples regarding his welcoming of the sinners and the lowly and the rejection of the rich and the proud. And when Matthew wrote it down in his gospel, he used it to help his Jewish audience understand why Gentiles were now allowed to be part of the faith. And during the Reformation, the Protestants used this parable against the Catholics in their history and their devotion to ritual. I've heard it used to admonish the old guards in churches to accept the new folks or the longtime Christians to accept the seekers and But it feels like when I study it, it's always had that same kind of group project vibe. You know, the one that says, well, we're all getting the same reward, so it doesn't matter how long you've been working at it. And to be honest, that's always felt a little icky to me. You know, no matter how many times I looked at it and what angle I tried to interpret it from, that interpretation just didn't seem to sit right with the character of Jesus. But then I looked at verse 15, where the master says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? (laughs) And I still wasn't sure quite what to make of it. But then, but then, I looked at the Greek, you know, as one does, And the literal translation of the second part of that verse, are you envious because I am generous? The literal Greek says, is your eye bad because I am good? This was a very clever turn of phrase that Jesus used. And something kind of gets lost in the translation from Greek to English, but here's what it means. You feel resentment toward my goodness because you're looking at it wrong. I had been looking at this parable all wrong. I needed a new perspective. I needed a perspective that isn't wrapped up in fairness and people carrying their weight, but in something new, something we can hopefully build our story upon. First, we must stop comparing. 
This parable isn't about comparing the new workers with the old workers or the sinners with the saints or the Jews with the Gentiles or the Catholics with the Protestants or whatever. Let's look at the workers in the parable. Now, these workers were day laborers. Now, this means that they did not have the financial stability of being hired men who would have had salaried work and a stable income. They also weren't slaves. Now, remember, slavery in first century Palestine was very, very different from the chattel slavery in our history. Slavery back then provided a certain amount of protection and security of those who were owned by the master or the landowner of that day. These workers did not have that protection. They didn't have that security, whether through, through personal security or through financial security. No, these workers did not belong to a specific farm. They had no stable income. They had nowhere to belong. So every day, they would show up to the marketplace and they would wait for a landowner to come and choose them and then offer them work. Now, if they didn't get chosen, well, then they and their family went hungry that day. So we see these workers being hired in shifts all day long. We, they go to work in the field for an agreed upon wage. And then we get to the latecomers. Verses 6 through 7. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? And they said to him, well, because nobody has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. Here's a perspective shift we need to have. Those 11th hour workers were not lazy. They had been ready to work all day long. It's just nobody had hired them. Now, the Bible doesn't say exactly, but these could have been the older workers, the weaker workers, the disabled. These were the workers that no other landowner could find a use for. And the only reason they hadn't gone to work yet is because no one asked them. As soon as the master sent them to the field, they obeyed. But that's not what the early workers saw at the end of the day. They seemed to forget that they came from the same marketplace. That at the beginning of the day, they didn't belong either. And it was the same master calling them to obediently work just at different times of the day. The grumbling that arose among the workers at the end of the day was rooted in two things comparison, and assumptions. Every one of us has a story. Every one of us has lived through different battles. We have had to overcome different challenges when it comes to our relationship with God and the way God has worked throughout the story of our lives. My story doesn't look like yours. You've lived through stuff that I don't know about and could not imagine. But no matter what that story looks like, it has value. And it belongs to you. 
And it is no better or worse than anyone else's story. We cannot compare our stories with the stories of others. It accomplishes nothing to look at our brother and sister and think, I seriously cannot believe they think that was hard. They have no idea. Or what about, I hear all these incredible stories from people at church, but I haven't experienced anything. My story is so lame. That doesn't accomplish anything either. But here are two things that are beneficial. Curiosity and celebration. We have got to be more curious. We've got to listen to the stories of others and ask questions about what they've been through and how their stories have shaped them. Allow their stories to encourage you and foster greater understanding. Strengthen your relationships between each other. Appreciate where other people have come from and the battles that they have fought and how God has brought each and every one of us through different battles because God loves us and God sees us and God knows what the needs of our hearts are. It may not be the same as your neighbor. It may not be the same as your friend, but it's yours. And God has written that story since before you were born. And we have to celebrate that. Celebrate the fact that we have all been called to a community, to a family, a kingdom that we once didn't belong to. And now we do. And our kingdom is full of diverse stories and backgrounds and lives. And that is beautiful. Let's take notice of something else in this story. Two things that seem like they should matter, but they don't. Work and reward. So, In this parable, we go from the marketplace to the time of day where they settled their accounts. Jesus didn't think it was all that important to specify exactly what the first hour workers did versus what the 11th hour workers did. There are no tasks for us to compare. And there's also no reward for us to compare. They all got the same thing. And how much was that? What was a denarius? The amount that had been determined to supply all the needs of a laborer and his family for a day. And I think this is the part that is so hard for our modern ears to hear. We are so conditioned to believe that the harder you work, the greater the payoff. But that's not how the kingdom of Jesus works. It is not a meritocracy. Ephesians 2, 7 through 10 in the message says, Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. 
No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we'd better be doing. There's nothing you could do to earn heaven. You can't work your way in. And we don't do good works with this eyes on the prize mentality. You know, have you ever heard someone, probably someone very well-meaning, who has done just something that nobody else wanted to do, and afterwards they say something like, well, there's another jewel for my crown, or I've just earned another wing on my mansion in heaven. (laughs) Sorry, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) You know, that's because the point in this story isn't the work they did. It's not the reward they received. Now, the point is when the landowner called them to the work, they obeyed. All of them, even the grumpy ones. God has prepared good works for us all to do. Not to earn a reward at the end of our life, but to join with Jesus in what he is already doing here on earth. Our job is to watch and listen. And when the call to work comes, we go. Now, it's not always going to be glamorous, and your work may not look like mine, but none of that matters. What matters is your yes. So, if the times the workers got there isn't important, and if the work they did and the reward they received isn't important, what on earth is important in this parable? Now, if you're thinking the landowner. You're right. The landowner. The landowner himself went out not once, not twice, but five times to gather up the workers. You know, landowners didn't usually do that, by the way. They had hired men. They had overseers who would do that for them. It wasn't their job to go out and find people to work in the vineyard. But this landowner did. And in verse 6, the Bible says the landowner found the stragglers. That's not a translation choice. The Greek word there is yurisko. Y'all may know the word eureka. It's the same Greek word means I found it or he found. It implies that the leftover workers were intentionally searched for rather than just seen by happenstance. After that last group was brought into the vineyard at five, the marketplace would have been cleared. Every worker willing to work would be there at the landowner's vineyard. The landowner had a place for everyone, weak, strong, old, young. And by doing so, he ensured the daily needs of this unprotected, vulnerable group were met. And finally, the landowner responds with grace to the grumblers. Verses 13 and 14 say, But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. 
The landowner doesn't cast them out into the land of weeping and gnashing of teeth. He calls them his friends. They're gently rebuked and they're sent on their way with their wages paid and probably a lot to think about. Rather than bring the hammer down, the landowner turned it into a teachable moment. You see, when we focus on the workers and when we focus on fairness and work and reward, we completely miss the unbelievable grace, kindness, and generosity of the landowner. We serve a God who never stops looking for the stragglers. A God who humbled himself and he went to a place he didn't need to go in order to bring the lost into belonging. When you think about your story and when you write it down, which is something I highly recommend you do, don't look at your story with eyes darting around to everyone else. Don't consider where you came from in the light of what others have been through or how others have treated you. You have to look to the master. Your whole life, God has been working in you and through you to bring you to him and to do God's work through you. And if you just focus on the work, if you focus on the reward or everybody else, you are going to totally miss the best part of the story. Your story is your own. And your story has value. Don't allow comparison and resentment cloud your vision to the incredible grace and generosity you have received from the one who went out looking for you when you didn't belong. Who invited you in to his work to accomplish something he created for you to do. We have a master who doesn't hold up the reward of heaven as the carrot to get us to work, but one who actually wants us to labor along with him. A master who will never stop looking to bring in the stragglers and meet the deepest needs of their hearts. We are all the laborers and we are all precious in his sight. If today you find yourself on the outside, without a seat at the table or a voice in the conversation, may you lean into the truth that you're always welcome in God's community. If you are one who wears the name minister, pastor, elder, shepherd, or are otherwise known as a faith leader, may you extend God's yes to those you might have said no to in the past. May you be emboldened and encouraged to honor the space that God has already created for all. Let's build bigger tables together. If something in you was stirred today, reach out. Hearing from you really does help to shape the future of this podcast. You'll have the greatest impact and opportunities for engagement by joining our Patreon community by clicking that Become a Patron button on our page, patreon.com slash jenhalechristie. And I would love for you to connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook at jenhalechristie. Lastly, you would really help others to connect with this work if you would subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time.